On behalf of this good family, let me express my deepest appreciation for you and your presence this day as we celebrate and commemorate the life of Tom Music. Thomas Alton Music, known simply as Tom, was escorted to paradise on Monday, October the 24th at age 76. He has now received comfort from his Creator and his Savior. He loved and served the better part of his life. He was preceded in death by his parents, John Thomas and Nettie Pauline Music, brother and sister-in-law, Jack Elbert and Olivia Pike Music, niece, Mary Ann Bacchus, grandmother, Mary Jeriah Lauren, and special in-laws, Charles and Jean Warren, who loved him like a son. He leaves to miss him and cherish his memories, his wife of 56 years, Diane Warren Music, his one and only love, and his children, Tony Music and Dana and Kyle Johnson, both loved with all of his heart. His grandchildren, Rachel, Nathan, and Heather, all adored by Tom. His pride and joy was his great-grandson Bentley, his little buddy, and the beat of his heart. His beloved sister-in-law and brother-in-law, Rosemary Warren and Bobby Carroll, niece, Brandy, Jeremy Ward, Jeremiah Ward, nephew, Blake, Jonna Carroll, Colton Bear, Connor Carroll, Jackie Music, and Jim Joe Music. He was blessed with a host of cousins, including special cousins, Frank Heath of Nashville, Tennessee, and Monica Music Corbett of Baton Rouge, Louisiana. Tom was the cornerstone of his family and a godly Christian. He possessed a deep passion for lost souls. He was a member of the Lenco Church of Christ for almost 50 years, where he served as an elder, a deacon, Bible class teacher, and song director. He made several trips to Guyana, South America, and Trinidad to teach God's Word. After he contracted malaria, he could not go to these countries again. So he began to concentrate on overseeing mission work from Kenya, from his home desk. He was a 1958 graduate of Ganston High School. He worked for Coca-Cola Bottling Company, General Tire Corporation, and retired from Goodyear Tire Number Company after 25 years of service. The family appreciates the presence, prayers, and love of all. Times like this are not easy times. And times like this can be very difficult times for those who are family and loved ones who knew the one who has gone on the most. But times like this are good times. Times to reflect and remember and cherish these well-beloved memories that we have in our heart. And we appreciate so much your presence as we all celebrate and commemorate Tom's life together. Tom was a man who loved and encouraged many. And I think this wonderful crowd here this day serves as a testimony, a token towards that end. All of these individuals who knew Tom and loved Tom, who were loved by Tom and encouraged by Tom, here to celebrate and remember his life together. We appreciate your presence. Tom was a man who loved music. His last name was Music, and he loved music. 
And Tom was an excellent song leader. One of the songs he would lead is called, What Will I Leave Behind? The thrust of that song is, once you embrace death, once you are carried to the next life, the afterlife, what is it that you will leave behind? Tom indeed left behind a great legacy, many great memories, and many great relationships, which are all here this day. Let's bow in prayer at this time. Our Father in heaven, we approach you at this time so thankful for this day of life that you have blessed us with, that we can wake up this morning and enjoy a measure of health to prepare ourselves, come to this place, to reflect and remember and cherish the life that Tom lived. Our God, we thank you so much for Tom and what he meant to so many people. The love he gave to his family and to his friends and his church family. We thank you for the encouragement he gave to so many gospel preachers, to so many fellow Christians. We thank you, dear God, for his hard work that he spent and gave to your cause for many years, especially his work as an elder, as a deacon, as a Bible class teacher, as a song director, and his work also as overseeing mission work. We thank you, dear God, for all the many memories that we can have of Tom. Though death has claimed his body, it has not robbed us of the memories that we have of him. And at this time, we pray for his family and his friends and those who loved him the most, that these memories might be a source of comfort and strength to them as they embrace these difficult times ahead. Our Father, we thank you for his good family and their service to your cause, their faithfulness, and the encouragement they are to so many people. May you bless them in these coming days and weeks and months and even years ahead as they adjust to life here on this earth without time. Our Father, we are thankful His pain and suffering is past, that those who died faithful in the Lord can enjoy rest and peace in the hereafter. And as we all live our lives here upon this earth, our remaining days, help us to examine His good, moral, godly life and use our lives in service to Your cause and always be ready and prepared to meet You on that final day. This is our prayer through Christ's precious name. Amen. Several weeks ago, I received a telephone call from Brother Tom. He said, E. Giles, I've got two requests. I had no idea what he was talking about. He knew then more than most of us knew. He said the first of them is one of his own. Those of you who knew Tom and those of you who were Friday night singers, you know that Tom would oftentimes uh, lead this song. We're going to sing that today, and this is not Friday night singing, so we're going to sing all three stanzas, not just the first and the last. We invite all of you to join in with us.
as we sing one of his own. I may
Tom Music was my friend. And just like you, I count that a blessing. Tom and his family lived across the street from my parents when I was born. That would have made Tom about 10. So I can't remember a time that he hasn't been in our lives. He was an elder, a faithful Christian, and a good friend. Memories that I will cherish for the rest of my life. On Monday night, Dana asked me if I would share some of her thoughts with you about her dad. And it's an honor for me to do that. To read her thoughts, her memories, and her ideas, and the things she recalls about her dad. Please join with me as I attempt to convey her love for her dad. One of Dad's favorite songs was What a Gathering That Will Be. I can just imagine what a gathering in heaven it was on Monday morning when my dad met Jesus face to face. As he met Peter and Paul at the pearly gate and heard Jesus say, Well done, my good and faithful servant. I can just imagine my mama music meeting him with open arms. And as he shook hands with BC and Pearl and saw some of his old singing buddies who gathered to greet him, Ronnie Johnson, Jeannie, Joanna, Ricky, Earl, Joe, Francis, and others that have gone on before him. What a gathering that must have been. Today, my daddy sings with the angels. Shortly after we found out that my dad was sick, I knew how serious it was, and I sat in my office very early one morning with tear-filled eyes and a newly broken heart. And I wrote down my thoughts. It helped me then. I hope sharing my thoughts with you will help you now too. Most of you here will already know most of what I will say today. You know what kind of man Tom Music was, what he stood for, and the things that he loved. These are just a daughter's thoughts about her daddy from daddy's little girl's point of view. I was proud Tom Music was my daddy. I strove to make him proud of me. In my really young years, he worried about me because I was a stinker. He recently admitted to me that he too was a stinker when he was younger. 
Although he was far from perfect, he was the perfect dad for me and Tony. Oh, where would we have been today if it weren't for him and mother? Dad more wore many hats. They were all important to him. He was a dad to me and Tony, a teacher, disciplinarian, coach, and an example of a true gentleman. In our grown-up years, a friend. We are what we are today because of him and mom and their partnership to raise us in a loving Christian home. He was hun to my mom his high school and lifelong sweetheart, whom he loved with all of his heart. He was granddaddy and a godsend to Rachel, Nathan, Heather, and Bentley. He was Tommy to his childhood friends. He was a longtime elder, a position he took very seriously. He prayed fervently for the souls of his Christian brothers and sisters, and especially the members of the Glencoe congregation, a congregation that he was passionate about and cared about deeply. He was a missionary, a song leader, a Sunday school teacher, a confidant, and friend to many. But above all else, he was a Christian, a faithful, hard-working, passionate Christian, and an example to all who knew him. I'm sad because I'm selfish and because I was a daddy's girl. It's hard to let someone that you love so much leave you. But heaven has gained an angel, and I'm happy that he can once again hold the hand of his mother, my mama music, and his grandmother, mama Lo, as we call her. He ran the race and he has crossed the finish line and he has gained his reward. My dad would not want tears shed for him today, although I am, I have, and I will cry a lot more. He would rather us celebrate the life that he lived and remember the things that he tried to teach us while he was here and to carry on his memory in a way that, that would make him proud. I first heard the song Daddy's Hands as I was driving down Main Street in Danville, Virginia in August of 1986, about a month after Kyle and I were married. I was sure that it had been written just for me. The song made my heart smile, and it made my heart cry because I missed home immensely. Today, the song still makes my heart smile, as I am happy that I had such a strong, forgiving, sometimes stern, but always loving dad. It makes my heart cry today because I am selfish, and I don't want to be without the influence, the security, hugs, and the love of my daddy. This is that song I think was written just for me. 
I remember Daddy's hands folded silently in prayer and reaching out to hold me when I had a nightmare. You could read quite a story in the calluses and lines. Years of work and worry had left their mark behind. I remember Daddy's hands, how they held my mama tight and patted my back for something done right. These are things that I'd forgotten that I loved about the man, but I'll always remember the love in Daddy's hands. I remember Daddy's hands working till they bled, sacrificed unselfishly just to keep us all fed. If I could do things over, I'd live my life again and never take for granted the love in Daddy's hands. Daddy's hands were soft and kind when I was crying. Daddy's hands hard as steel when I had done wrong. Daddy's hands weren't always gentle, but I've come to understand there was always love in Daddy's hands. My daddy was a good man. If you're here today, it is because you loved him and you can rest assured that he loved you too. He walked upon this earth doing good for those that he met. He could be a little rough around the edges at times, but nonetheless, he cared about everyone's soul and prayed fervently for the souls of those that he knew and loved. He loved my mother with every fiber of his being, and he showed that love for her. To her, and to us kids every day. He worked hard to take care of her and to give her what she needed and wanted and made provisions to make sure that she would be taken care of when he was gone. The love he had for his seven children, yes, there's, there's seven of us, is unfathomable. And he would have given his life for any of us or for my mother. That's just the kind of man he was. The singing in heaven is much prettier today because my daddy joined the chorus. It makes my heart sore knowing that for eternity he can do one of those things that he loved to do the most, that's sing. My dad lived his life for this day. He prepared all of his life for the time that he would leave the world for something much better. He can walk without pain. His voice is once again strong. He sees now what before he could only imagine. For this I'm thankful and I find solace in this thought. I'm going to miss drinking coffee with him in the morning and watching him cook his infamous bacon and eggs breakfast for his favorite six-year-old little boy and me too sometimes. But don't worry, Bentley. Granddaddy taught Ganmutter how to do it just right. I'm going to miss his hugs and kisses and sitting in his lap as if I were still 12. I'm going to miss listening to his stories, our long talks, good and bad and even the ones when we didn't agree. 
I'm going along to see him kiss my mom and hold her hand just one more time and see him put his arms around her in the kitchen just because. I'm going to miss seeing him smile at my children with such an amazing love and hug them as if he was hugging them for the last time. It hurts to know that Bentley will never run and jump into his lap again. But the impression that he has made on that little boy's heart will go with him forever. We will never let him forget his granddaddy love for him. My daddy was given the gift of gab. And by now, I'm sure you're thinking that that's something that I inherited. But he loved to talk. He loved to fool around and be silly. He loved making friends, and your presence here today is proof that he had many friends. I know he would be touched that you thought enough of him to celebrate his life with us here today. On behalf of the family and dad, I would like to thank you. To those who have encouraged us, prayed for us, stood by us, and loved us through his illness, thank you. My dad taught me so many life lessons. He showed me what it was like to love unconditionally by watching him love my mother so openly and completely. He worked hard and gave us a good life. He was honest and hardworking, and he taught us to be hardworking and to appreciate what we have. I'm going to miss him so much but he will never really be gone in my mind because I will carry him in my heart and mind until we meet again in heaven. As Dad and Bentley would say, see you later, alligator. After a while, crocodile. I didn't plan on it being the first words I would say, but as I was rising up to walk up here, I looked down and realized I'm wearing my shoes that I wear around the yard I forgot to change. So maybe that'll break up what he just did just a little bit. Uh, I didn't intend on wearing a pair of Crocs to a funeral, but we are here, so welcome. Uh, I really appreciate the opportunity. I appreciate the, the way that uh, you all have gathered here to celebrate Brother Tom's life. Uh, he meant a lot to me. I know he means a lot to you. When he called me back several, several months ago and asked me about being a part of this, uh, first thing that came to mind was why? Uh, why wouldn't you ask so many other people? Well, there are so many people who, whose lives he had touched, uh, so many preachers that he had been involved in and he had encouraged throughout the years, so why ask me? And I don't have an answer to that. And so I finally decided it really didn't matter. We were going to gather when the time came, if that came inside of this, this side of eternity before the Lord should return, and we would celebrate his life. 
And so I have many things here to say. I'm thankful to God that none of them really are mine. It's been written for me just as Brother Don's was by Dana. Uh, mine come from the grandchildren. And then I'm going to and then turn the burden back over to God and we're going to go to God's word uh, because I don't have adequate words myself to say. Uh, I've kind of got a, a record going. I'm not bragging about this, but I've done funerals from the very, very young and near about birth up into the oldest people you could imagine, for friends, for family members, for complete strangers. And I'm usually not that emotional, but I guarantee it's about to be shattered. Rachel wrote these words. My granddaddy loved Bentley more than anyone I know. Since Bentley was born, he has been the sparkle in granddaddy's eye. I remember Bentley's first Christmas when he went to grandmother and granddaddy's house after they had put up their tree. And he laid there, that, I laid him there, that three-month-old baby, Bentley, on the floor under the tree, and he just looked up at the decorations and the lights. Bentley's face was just glowing, and G-Dad had to get on the floor and lay beside him. For two solid years, it seemed that, like Bentley sat in G-Dad's lap watching train videos on his computer, and Bentley knew what a covered hopper was by his second birthday, because of him. My favorite memories of Granddaddy were when he would take Bentley and me to Chattanooga to ride the train every year. The one trip stands out in my mind most in, the, in my mind as it was we left Atala during the day, rode the train all the way to Chattanooga, and came back on a charter bus that night. Bentley was so tired, he slept on G-Dad's chest the whole way back. And Bentley never forgot him. That meant so much to us and to each other. My granddaughter was an amazing fatherly example to my son, and for that I'm very grateful. Thomas' music has touched many lives throughout his life, and I'm just thankful he was able to touch ours. Thank you. Nathan then in turn wrote these words. The precious memories shared with Granddaddy are things that will remain with me forever. From the time that I was a little boy, I looked up to him and his leadership. I learned that at a young age that he was the only role model that I needed in life because of how much love I saw in him. I saw him share that love with my family, church family, and he knew how and and knew how much memories and knew how memories last a lifetime. One of my many memories include when I was younger and my sisters would and I would all go down to his train house, which by the way, I never saw the train house, so so you owe me one. But we would go down to the train house and spend many hours there just because of how excited we thought he thought uh, let me get this right. Because of just how exciting we thought it was to see the trains going all around us, through the tunnels, over the bridges, and even at different speeds. Many memories come from our family visiting over at their house throughout the holidays. With the holidays coming up, well, I have big shoes to fill. And I promise to my family 
that I will do that in remembrance of my granddaddy. I know the future, and there's going to be days when I wish I could just sit down right beside him and through one more worship service and to hear him lead one more song. I miss him. We all do. But I know that through Christ, when we pray and he can ease our pain that we have, and Granddaddy's example will live on with us forever. Thank you, Nathan. And then Heather writes this. I love my granddaddy. I I love to hear my granddaddy sing. And I love to hear him play the piano. One of my favorite memories was him teaching me how to play the piano. I remember always wanting to go down to granddaddy's and train house, you two, where the model railroad was displayed because I thought the train village that he built ran the trains through was so neat. I love to sit and listen to the stories he would tell and especially love to hear him tell of his grandmother's adventures to Hawaii. He always joked and would tell me that he would carry us back to Hawaii when, quote, the kids learned to keep up with their shoes. We never, he, we never learned and so we never went. We, we, we still come in the house and kick off our shoes and can't find them when it's time to go. But above all the memories I will cherish, I will remember the love that he always gave to me freely and unconditionally and that there was never a doubt who was important to him. And I'm glad to only be one of those important ones. And Bentley obviously did not write, but we know what Bentley meant to him, and we can only imagine what he means to Bentley. And Sister Diane was sharing with me the other day that one of the things that they had gotten to doing, made a habit of, was that when Bentley would get ready to go, and he had spent a lot of time with them prior to Tom being ill, he would go down there and spend two or three days a week, I think, with them all day. And I remember thinking when that started, you're too old for that, but it's helping. But when Bentley would get ready to go, he would, they would lift him up beside his bed there, and they would put their foreheads together, I understand it, and just stare into each other's eyes. And that would go on until Bentley would kiss him on the mouth and would leave. That's kind of the relationship that I believe most of us have with him. Being able to see into a man's soul. He was that revealing. I'm also now going to turn, I've got several more pages here, but I'm going to turn from not only his family, but some other individuals. Tom was heavily involved in the local church work, but also the Lord's Church abroad. And I'll bet I'm not going to read all that they've said. I've got two things that were written by two of the most important missionaries in his life that he supported completely and freely. And I know for a fact he made many sacrifices at times himself to be sure that they were provided for and the great works that they do. They're both from Kenya, Charles Ogutu, and I can't pronounce the last names. You probably can't either. But Charles uh, says a lot about Tom, says a lot about how he came to know God and the Lord by Tom in a correspondence course. But here's what he tells me that I'm not shocked by, but I think you ought to know. 
Charles says, Tom recommended me to be a preacher and a correspondence teacher, which led over 500 students to enrolling under my leadership. During that time, over 300 souls obeyed the gospel. Nine congregations were restored. Seven newly planted congregations were formed. And now, over a thousand souls have obeyed the gospel of the Lord. 24 congregations were planted, and 17 churches have been restored to true worship. That's because of him and his love for mankind. Much more here, but Charles basically says that. Bernard Kangaya, and I'm not sure about that for sure, but Bernard sends his condolences also, and in the midst of much of that, he says this right here. He says, Tom's work in the Lord's kingdom was so great, for he was one of a kind. He was the man that God wanted. He sought for man. He was the man that he should be, and he stood in the gap, Ezekiel 22:30. He was the one who said, hear my send me, Isaiah 6 and verse 8. And now our beloved brother has taken a trip from whence he shall not return, Job 16, 22. But we shall go to him, and he shall not return unto us, 2 Samuel 12, 23. And God is still looking for a man that would stand, that would stand in the gap. One who would be ready to take Tom's shoes in this mission field, and one who would say, here am I, send me. Isaiah 6 and verse 8. And one of the things I overlooked in Brother Charles's note here that I do want to back up if I can is that Charles's last born daughter is named, it seems to be Cheerio, but I'm sure about the next part, Diane Music. And he says Tom and Diane's picture is hanging on their wall as he wrote this. Friends, that's in Kenya. It's not in Glencoe, it's not in Gadsden, that's in Kenya. Tom was a part of the work in Kenya, he was a part of the work in Guyana prior to that. Had he not contracted malaria and lost the majority, if not all, the vision in his eye and, and got to a point he could not travel, he would have been there. But he found a way to work. Now to the part that we'll rely upon God for. One quote that stood out the other day, and he has no idea I was going to do this. I was watching to see if he would arrive, but James Rogers wrote this on, of all places, Facebook. Tom Music is the best friend a boy preacher could have ever had 41 years ago, but he's graduated to glory. Keep his family in your prayers. I hadn't said anything about Tom on Facebook. Because, James, you said it. I have no idea, no earthly idea, as we say, how Tom and I became friends. But I'm sure glad we did. The phone calls, the things that he would do that would encourage me no one's ever touched and I'm fairly confident no one can match 
And so when I actually sat down and thought, how are you going to get this off of your shoulders? I thought about a text found in the book of Romans. And to me it describes, and I'm about to read it, but to me it describes to a T the kind of person Tom was and his attitude and the way he carried himself. And he certainly, this represents why I've been proud for many, many years to call him a friend. Romans 1 and verse 14 and beginning says, I am debtor both to the Greeks and to the barbarians, to the wise and to the unwise. So as much as in me is, I'm ready to preach the gospel to you there in Rome also. And many of you will be familiar with the next verse. For I'm not ashamed of the gospel of Christ, for it is the power of God unto salvation to everyone that believeth, to the Jew first and also to the Greek. That may not seem so significant to you, but to me, those words and, and just taking them for what they are, they prove the significance of this man's life, the one that he lived on this side of eternity, the one that continues on on yonder side. Because like the Apostle Paul who penned these words by inspiration on behalf of God, I would say Tom, Tom too was faithful. And he was faithful like Paul is representing here when he said, I'm debtor. Paul was faithful, I'm sorry, Tom was faithful as Paul was because he was faithful to the obligations of the gospel. One thing I noticed about this friend, Tom, is that he always knew how much he owed God. You couldn't run it on a calculator or an adding machine, but he always knew how much he owed God. To God for his sacrifice, for, for sending his son, for allowing his son to die. And he always tried to repay that. But Tom wasn't selective in that. Maybe that explains why I get to be a part of this today. Tom was not looking for the latest and greatest. He wasn't looking for the rich and the wealthy and all of that. He was looking to serve God no matter who that was. He looked to the up and out. But at the same time, he looked to the down and out. He looked to the intellects, but he looked to the, in, to the ignorant also because he understood how important it was that the gospel itself be carried to the world. And so when he looked around him and he saw other Christians beside him, he looked to them with thankfulness, with gratefulness, with appreciation, with, with gratitude because he wanted them to understand that his life was not just about living his life so he could find his reward. It was more so about living his life so that he could represent that reward to everybody he met. He was faithful to the obligation of the gospel. I choose to read that verse 15 I did because... Paul said, I'm ready to preach. To my estimation, to my knowledge, Tom Music never stood as what you would call a, a full-time located preacher. But I promise you, he was always ready. He was always ready because he understood likewise that he had to be flexible to the opportunities of the gospel. Tom and Diane have lived in a couple of different cities outside of here in their life, and, and I know this about him, and I've, I've, I've actually done some research. 
when he walked into a town and when he started attending that congregation and he decided to be a part of that local congregation and to serve it, he served it. And when he got ready to move like, he, like they did, to move back to this area, he could move here and serve too. And when he had the opportunity to go into Trinidad and, and, and Guyana and eventually got sent back and couldn't serve in that, in that capacity and he was chosen to go into Kenya, at least from his desk, he saw that as an opportunity. He wasn't dependent on what he wanted to do. He was dependent on what he knew God needed him to do and desired for him to do. That makes him who he was. And then thirdly there, verse 16, we all recognize when he said, I am not ashamed of the gospel of Christ. Tom Music was fearless in the opposition of the gospel too. He wasn't afraid to stand. He wasn't afraid to, to be certain that everyone knew who he was and who he served and who he lived his life for. He simply lived his life so the world could understand who God was and who Christ was and what Christ came to do. You know, it's not popular to do that today in some places. It's not the, the easiest thing to do, but he saw fit to always do it in spite of whatever fear might have came upon the rest of us. To stand and to represent God accurately and completely. That's what Tom Music was in this body, but what he stands as in our memories today. He was faithful, flexible, fearless but what do we do we could stand behind that example we could stand behind his example that he left just as a human being not perfect certainly but following after a perfect pattern and we could live our lives in a similar way there's nothing Nothing that can be said to, especially to this family on these first few rows or to the friends that extend beyond that. There's nothing that can ever be said that's going to completely make over or fix up or, or certainly replace the life that he lived. But the word of God certainly fills a void and should have been in that void to begin with. So there should not be such a hole as this. Anyone comes to you and tells you in the coming months, I'm speaking directly to the family, that you need to get over this, you only can get through it. And it's our duty as people around you to stand beside you arm in arm and to walk that path also. What a reward Brother Tom knew of. What a friend he was. One last thing and we'll close. One of the biggest times that Tom ever impacted my life, there were so many. But I had been preaching here at Glencoe on a regular basis for a little while. And I stood one day, one Sunday morning I recall, and preached a lesson that I thought was hard. 
and I did not know how it would be taken, but I, I saw it to be straight off the pages, and I thought it to be needed. Went to the back, and, and, and Tom came up to me. I didn't know what he was going to say. He was serving as one of the elders, and I didn't know what he was going to do with that. And I said, I know that was hard. It was hard for me. I know it was hard for people to hear, but, but I believe it to be truth, almost in a defensive mode. Tom said, Jim, all you did today was prove to us that you loved us. And in his statement, he proved that to me. What a faithful child of God's he was and is today. Will you bow with me? Dear God and Father of Heaven that stands above this earth that you have created and all that is around it. Father, we came here today to celebrate, to commemorate the life of this one individual and to consider the things that he has been involved in in his life only as a tool to help us to survive the life that may remain within us. And Father, we pray that you would touch each of these family members. Be especially with Diane and Dana and Tony. And we pray that you would be with them, comfort them, and help them to stand in these days that are ahead. Father, we pray that you would uphold all of his children, grandchildren, great-grandchildren, and that you would allow them to always know that the life that he lived, that we saw as being so great, was merely a shadow of the things that your son would have had for him and us. And Father, we pray that you would allow us to have comfort, but we find that comfort in your word, and that we find within your word the truth, and that we obey it and stand beside it, until our eternity should turn also. Father, so thankful for the gift that was time music. We're thankful for all the memories that we have. We're thankful for the strength that left behind. Father, we're thankful especially for your son and his death that made lives like this and, and all that we can live possible. And it's through Jesus' name we pray with all humility. Amen. talked with Tom a few weeks back he said now my second request is when all God's singers get home and he said E. Giles I'm putting the words of that song on the back of our tombstone what a beautiful thought when all of God's singers get home and again we'll sing all three stanzas, not Friday night. Mm -hmm.